It's the B-A-Y-C. I'm a bored ass Welcome to Boy Chili Podcast. I'm Vera. 100 Hot Ones is the first series of Boy Chili Podcast. We'll have 100 apes from all over the world share their ape stories, talking about their projects, or give unique perspectives on working the Web3. I'm so excited about this episode. I'm co-hosting with my amazing ape brother, Nizar. I met him at Ape Fest 2021 and met Nizar on the yacht. He was an NFT OG, an investor, and founder of Unlimited Art NFT, NFT hedge fund. Hi, Nizar. Thank you for co-hosting this episode with me. It was a very last minute invitation, but you have always been here for me. We'll have a separate episode to interview Nizar. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, I'm humbled to be with you as you are one of the major actors of the space. And what makes you special is that you don't know it or you don't behave like you are, but we're all happy to have you. You gather people together and you help anyone who needs help. So. I'm humbled to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And on the other side of the screen, we have our guest, a legendary ape. Franklin is an engineer, an influencer, an ambassador, a trader, and the sixth largest ape holder. I always find Franklin is so mystery, and we're going to get to know him a little bit more in this episode. GM, Franklin, do you want to share a little bit more about yourself? GM Vera, GM is our... Yeah, I can share a little bit about myself. I'm an engineer. I got to crypto probably about two years ago, a little up two years ago during the pandemic. Didn't really trade much up until a year and a half or so ago. Got to NFTs in the top shot heyday when it was at its peak. And things really took off when Board Apes launched. And without that clutch, who knows, we, us three would never know of each other. So I'm really thankful to see both of you guys' journey throughout the NFT space. Here we are on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk more about it. Thank you. Thank you, Franklin, for coming. Do you mind to tell us your story of the crypto world? So I started in crypto around the pandemic time. I just dabbled a little bit, did some like offshore betting, things like that. Sometimes it was esports because sports wasn't really going on. I didn't really pay attention to the price of crypto, like Bitcoin and ETH, until later in the year when it started moving. And then I got into NFTs a lot. At the beginning of 2021, NBA Top Shop. So not really on the, it was on the Dapper blockchain. It wasn't on the ETH or anything like that. It was at the top of the market. And then pretty much the apes started the beginning of May. So a lot of the people who have followed on Top Shot Twitter started changing their profile pictures and that clicked for me in terms of how for the apes are going to be going forward. And they released with massive sales volume. I minted three and Kept sweeping the floors the first day. And before you do it, I had 30 apes. The rest is history. So folks like Nazari and Vera are very important to the space and started out very early along with me. And it's really cool to have those three on the podcast at the same time. And I keep talking about myself and of course the two co-hosts here. Did you make any money on NB adoption? <laughs> I pull up. Yeah, I pull up my moment ranks right now. And we'll find out together how much I'm down. But I never checked this I'm down. My total moment value for the moment ranks is 3,768. Lifetime profit is negative. My lowest listed profit is negative $60,700. So that's much up down at top chest. It's been like 60,000, like stable coin for a year. <laughs> I guess it hasn't gone down. It can only go down so much <laughs> after that <laughs> but that's how you learn huh? right yeah i, I use top shot to, to teach me like the education importance of the nft as a particular token to commemorate in their case gay highlights so that's what i like about top shot i would have known about or twitter or anything like that it wasn't a top shot so definitely not too upset at top shot or hurt my bags it turned out to be great in longer wow so how did you get into the apes yeah, a lot of the people on Top Shot just posted their profile pictures on Twitter. Even though I was losing a ton of money every day on Top Shot, I was still showing up on Twitter, following CryptoPunks, following the influencers for Top Shot, just trying to see what value I get out of it. All of a sudden, with the momentum just switched over to Apes out there. So that's what got me to, I didn't have a personal laptop at the time. I just had a work computer, so I had to use my phone to, to go shopping on the seat for the first time ever. So that was a pretty fun experience, but it worked out. That's a crazy story. But really? here's the thing. You are an NBA and basketball fan. Yeah. So a lot of the daily fantasy Twitter accounts too also 
We're big in Top Shot as well as some at Social Network Word Apes as well. So it was pretty much the same crowd of people. So I didn't expect, if you don't expect people in that sort of field to all of a sudden become NFT experts or Board Ape experts, but it's like backbone of what made the Ape so great. And it was just the same people that I not really interacted with, but just followed. Switch gears focused on branding themselves using their profile picture. But I, I do believe this is very important for people listening to us right now is that it all started for most people that were early buying stuff they liked or mm -hmm. connecting with stuff they liked. They might have lost money on NBA Top Shot, but the learning curve would take them to something that is culturally as close as that, which is boarding. Right. It's, it's just a big, sometimes it's just being in the right place at the right time. Obviously. If I just joined NFT Twitter, NFTs right now, I would be at such a disadvantage to everybody else. Wow, totally. How many apes did you mint at the time? I minted three, six, six, oh, three, six, six, oh, four, six, six, oh, five. So I'm seeing of what 66% through the mint. Remember, I started, I had a lot of fun ting when I first started minting, and that felt was pretty cool. Uh, flexed on Twitter. I knew they were going to sell out really fast because of just the massive Twitter volume and pranks he said. Like a thousand. Yeah. So I knew by the time I got my eight switched over, I wouldn't be able to buy anymore. So I was just focused on three that I had. Eventually figure out how to use OPC by looking at Twitter links and things like that to go shopping for more. Obviously, I wish I had minted instead of buying out the floor, but the floor was only one five point two ETH when I started shopping. So it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't, it was low enough for me to afford it, but then also high enough to convince me that I still bought strong. Was the gold ape that you minted or it's the one that you bought? No, I got, also got out from Pranksy because I spent so much money on Top Shot. I was just into, okay, we're kind of like a splash. Looked through the rarity on OpenSea and thought, okay, maybe the fur color is like what people are going after. There's plenty of seven other traits back though. Based on my research, CryptoPunks, the fur color of that alien's going for a lot of money. I was okay, maybe a gold fur ape is like, maybe people will bias towards the, that color and align to, to the space. And they were like, a couple of them had just sold for three and Pranksy Yellow was four. So that's, so it wasn't, I didn't even care about the artwork or anything if I, it's one of the gold. I didn't really care about the other traits, but it, it's turned out to be a great looking ape the world look at it. Also matched the colors of my alma mater, University of Southern California. And it was this cool app to match surface hat and surface clothes too. <laughs> Man, that, that ended up being a smart move when <coughs> I actually didn't mean to board it, but I bought on the first May to 2021 for 0.24. I think Mint was still ongoing. And I was looking at the floor prices at the apes and what would worth money tomorrow. And I was thinking it would be the crown apes. Oh, so yeah. I was looking at the gold ones and I was like, you know, but I'm not sure about gold. You might be, yeah. people one might say, okay, it's gold. Nah. So I was like, okay, I need a crown one. I couldn't afford and get one at that time, but my belief and the wrong belief was that the crown apes would be the ones. Nah, yeah. You cannot be right every time. I follow you for traits when I take off what they do, but they're nowadays are very good. I didn't really, since I got the gold, I didn't really care about the trippy, but I've essentially got more trippies. The double merch and the merch stuff I didn't really care about, but a lot of people do care about it now. So I wish I got into them wrong. What I was looking for because I come from Top Chat was a serial number. So. I try to look for most serial numbers, look for very high serial numbers, which were just by extreme numerology type buys. And I started making a spreadsheet that really set the very That's where I really got my skills in terms of knowing the ape trace of combos. And this is, it helps a girl knowing who is what the apes buy. It doesn't really help now with the prices so high, but it really using my math background. So it helped me calculate it easily find apes and their traits and just find funny types of trait combos and different ways of looking at birds. Wow. Yeah, pe pe people might not know, I have Vera, but Franklin was doing these Excel sheets for us, actually, telling us about the traits. Yeah, it was crazy. Like his Twitter was <laughs> actually like the best place to know what to buy because you could see like the composition of traits. He was actually... I think you were doing that before Rarity Tools, no? Yeah, we have a spreadsheet the night, probably the morning after it minted. There was like a couple of Rarity websites, including Rarity Tools that came out. They didn't go as deep as I eventually did. And then I was able to, in, in my spreadsheet, I was able to just copy and paste the Rarity Tools right. So 
if I ever needed to compare like my score versus ready tools to see if they matched up. It's a pretty good resource. So now I can quickly, like if you just give me a number, I mean, anybody can do it now on the internet, but if you make a number, I can give you some facts about the traits and really hype it up for you. We can do that. We can do that live on the podcast. There will be a lot of time. I'm just the <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's yeah. very impressive. You're trying to use tools to leverage everything that you wanted to do research on. So since when you start to have 68 goal, have you been always buying? Do you always want, what's your goal? Yeah, 68, that's hopefully the minimum that I'll have. The goal is to get as many apes as possible. I never expected to get 60 this quick, given that the floor price when I had 30 was $100,000. Obviously it went way high and it back down. To be able to accumulate enough to afford 30 more. And it's a testament of maybe I'm doing, making some good trades. Also, the Yuga team giving us a lot of free stuff to then I could convert into more apes. So, 60 is a nice number to stop at now. I'm aggressively trying to trade my way to get 61. That's a nice number as well. It doesn't make for a good collage. So, 60 is better flex, I think, in terms of just here's all 60. You can make nice artwork from them. Do you have a plan when you get 69? Because I do believe the space is going to turn crazy. You yeah, if they're going to turn crazy, that's a long way away from now. We need, we need like a six, seven, eight floor or something like that to, <laughs> need to get 69. It's going to happen. Like we saw you get so fast, so many more apes and you showed them how you got them. That's how it's crazy because you, <laughs> okay, I'm doing this move with Cyber Congress. I'm doing this move and people were like, oh, but the, I think if people just followed what you were doing, if you were to tell people what you were doing before you do it, because you would tell people what you did, but you didn't yeah. tell people what you would be doing, which is something different. But I do believe if you, if we had like a small guy behind you looking at you, there would be people making millions just with your moves, actually. It's possible. I definitely shouted from the hills and the benefits of owning a very, very early on. And I still think they still stand, those principles still stand but with the price of everything going on and the market's not being as liquid as it is, but with the price of apes so high, it's hard to just say, Hey, let's pop this thing up to a uh, ape. But I think anybody start V2 and many others who own the ape have had a fantastic majority in the NFTs that's unrivaled properly before now and a long time from not going forward. Not saying that's the only way to be successful in NFTs, but it certainly hard to bet against what's going on with, yeah, with what they're going to bring to the space. Wow. Love your story. Looking forward for the 69 apes. Uh, I mean, since you have an ape army, what's your plan with them? Are you going to do something with your ape, ape IPs? I have a huge licensing deal with the public company. I still haven't publicly announced it. I've told some people on the well about it. The deal is done. They pay me advance and I'll be getting royalties. It's definitely a testament of that company's belief in the NFT space, as well as my success as an individual holder, because it's a lot easier to license just itself, my group of apes, which are 25 of apes, as opposed to 25, dealing with 25 different people and 25 different contracts. So hopefully it's probably unique, dealing unique just to me, but hopefully it can show the power of owning an NFT and what you can do with it. And how you can bring in a more of web two type company or people and executives into the web three world and have them go all the way in on web three and introduce their customer base to web three as well. So that's where that's what's made sort of the past six months or so pretty fun that I've been able to get this deal and just wait to see how it gets announced. See how people react. Do you Franklin just license the apes, give them the licensing and let them do whatever they want or decide and discuss, or do you build with them? Do you tell them, oh, that would be good to go in this direction. What if we do it? What if we go in this direction or they will probably work together, but I'll let them decide what they'll want to do with it. They have already shown me some like examples of how they want to use the IP and it looks pretty good to me. We come back with our own proposals, me and some licensing agents come back from proposals that could involve, and this is very, this is very new, hot off the press, but. They could involve in bringing the community in if they're interested, because there's not really a way to monetize off of a certain IP. It doesn't really have to be NFTs at all, but with the Web3 technology we have, there's a way, but 
or we're looking into a way to tokenize how royalties and money from licensing intellectual property can get distributed to investors, not shilling an investment fee or anything like that, but it's a way for web, to bring Web3 into the Web2 world in terms of licensing and what better use case to do that than the NFT licensing. So now it yeah, doesn't really have to be my particular deal. It could be anybody's NFT deal that a group of stakeholders can say, look, this deal part bring a lot of royalties to that company that could be reflected in the person holding the license and a speculative trade or investor could benefit from that. You said you're going to use 25 of them? 25, yeah. Oh, 35 up to 60, I can pretty much do whatever I want to with it. I don't want to conflict, obviously, with the deal that has my other 25. But I don't have a strong deal with the other 35 yet, but at least it gives me freedom to, to explore those. What is beautiful with the IP is that we thought that Web2 would go to Web3. But what happens is that Web3, while Web3 is building, People are going from Web3, going back to Web2, building stuff that will onboard more people. And that's what I call building. Like people think that building is just creating an app or creating a website or a platform. But you can build by just using what you have so to attract mm -hmm. more people. And so that's why I say most of us are builders. And that's absolutely amazing. The fact that you think... Okay, that will onboard more people from Web2 to Web3. That's, that's helping all of us. So, and we'll, we'll see how we're definitely we're still early. Like, I haven't even publicly announced the deal. I also don't want to be like I'm promoting or running a project for investors. So it'll be more like a autonomous sort of side DAO that hopefully is not just my deal. So a whole bunch of other licensing deals inside and outside of NFTs, but have a Web3 app bring a Web3 angle to that so we can bring in that, that Web2. It's more like a Web3 collaborating with Web2 kind of thing. And I'm not sure if you guys know this brand called Leaning. It's a Chinese, well, sports brand. It's like Nike of the States. Like that's how well-known they are. And they mm -hmm. recently launched this banana shoes. I'm not sure if you guys saw it on Twitter. And underneath the shoe, they designed a little bit like a you can see through the ape in it, but the whole design from outside, you couldn't tell it's an ape, but it's inspired by ape. So it doesn't really have a huge ape on it. But wow. Yeah. So they bought, I can send you guys a picture later. They bought mm -hmm. it a while ago and then it seems like they've been very quiet on the ape, but then they actually delivered this very interesting shoe. And I'm really looking forward to get one. I thought it was very interesting. So congrats. To Franklin on this amazing deal. And I'm really looking forward to hear which company is it and what you're actually going to do with it. And if you need any help, then let me know. We are always here to help you. Of course. Thank you so much. Well, it could be multiple companies from other people that maybe this deal could jumpstart, maybe convince those other companies to bring in more ape owners or other people with large amounts of apes or even people just wanting to have a good use case for them. Maybe I can lead the way. And obviously there's Plenty of other people securing deals right now that will also so it's not just and not just apes, but hopefully it's be a revolution of a merge between the in, people inside the NFT community and outside the NFT community. So to have a way of people able to buy products or invest in companies that really have pivot to web group. Yeah, I think there's something magical about this. When I started myself collecting more apes, I was only focusing on IP. So my yeah. idea was like, let's get as clean as possible. Let's get a fur pink because I want to sell it to Snoop Dogg. And that was my idea back in July. Yeah, right. And I tweeted about that. And I was like, I'm buying a, a gold jacket and I'm going to sell it yeah. to Kanye because he has this Google Glasses, et cetera. But so I was thinking IP, IP, IP. But what's magical is that we all thought that we were killing the bidden man. But by thinking about IP, we just created a new job, which is the middleman between us and the market, us yeah. and brands, which will be the middleman. But the relationship is going to be reversed. If you think, for example, with music or movie, the middleman is the one making the most of it, whether we have the power because we have the IP. So the discussion is different. You get to pay to, to get paid upfront sometimes. The percentage is way different. And I think this is the case for many other industries to look at. I think the other very important part, because our 
ape, our NFT IP is very stable. It doesn't really have any emotions. Like it won't have any scandal as well. And it's right. more easy to like manage in terms of it doesn't really have any uncertainties. I think that's a great IP thing as well, because like a lot of celebrities have signed with the companies and once they have a scandal, the company actually lost a lot of money with the contract that they have. So I think the IP of NFT is very new, but I think it's leading the way and we're heading there still very early, but we're heading there. So as I mentioned earlier, Franklin, you are an NFT trader, not just NFT, crypto trader. And you had a very interesting story that people were talking on Twitter before that the, you put on an offer on the internet and then someone took the offer and you pay like a hundred something ETH for that. Oh, that, yeah, that was for the ENS. So <laughs> it was just a joke. It was just me being just really stupid, trying to basically make a meme or mockery out of the Twitter bots. And <laughs> I'll, I'll obviously show how much money that I had. And it just turned to a very bad move. Somebody got really lucky and took advantage of it. And you know, it was, I was down for a couple of days. I got what I deserved. So just got to move on from there. I made the a lot way, of news articles. The way you handled that. it publicly is amazing. The way you yeah, handled it. Was, it, I, it was something that I know that nobody else probably would ever think about doing. It's probably that most people know how I am. So <laughs> thankfully it was money that I could afford to leave. So I said, I don't recommend anybody else try that. I would try to. Must be hurt. <laughs> I, I can imagine. That's actually a lot. It's like an ape, right? Yeah. At the time, yes, for sure. Yeah. I know that you're building a lot of tools, like the bots that you're trying to get more apes. And uh, you're building with like the brands working on the IPs. Uh, what else are you building that we have not mentioned here? That's pretty much it. Just trying to be a better trader. I usually miss out on things that I try to trade against the IPs like now where it pumps up by 5% hours. It's always, it's always. I always short it right before it happens and then, <laughs> or, and then I long it right at the very top of the team to go back down. So not really focusing on building products, just trying to build for <laughs> personally. To buy apes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. She was the crazy story. Everyone who's following Franklin respects him for something. He is hustling it. Nobody else. Like he would grab that 0.05. Like he was bragging, like I think 48 hours ago, making 0.005, which is like 25 bucks. And he was like, oh, I just made 25 bucks. And I'm like, oh, that guy's going to make it so bad. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Some part of that is just to make, it's cool to make it fun of myself and just make it good laughs for the community in terms of short flips. Everybody does it all the time, but I, I made it normal to tweet. But that's amazing because you could have became someone who became serious about it mm -hmm. because of the crowd, because of the exposure that you have and the fact that you are laughing at your own cell chat makes us <laughs> still always believe that we are in a safe place where people are still degents for real. Yeah. They're not like, oh, I became someone now and <laughs> uh, you cannot touch me anymore. Yeah, right. very humble. I really love it. Do you still have any apes in the Bentau? No, I pulled out. A large investment for a large loan. Last night, the, the Bindel pool got drained. It's, it's back running pretty well now. So actually I do. because I tried a new strategy. We're not a new strategy, but just a basic strategy of borrowing apes, of borrowing ETH, and then selling it for USD coin and hopefully buying it back at a lower price to make ETH. Without ETH price goes up like it now, I'd have to buy. I have to use more money to buy for ETH to, to thin the USD coin to the hat, which means I would lose like shorting at the closure short liquidating. So I'm in that liquidation phase now, constantly looking at prices. But I mean, that's a totally different story than what McDowell can be used for. You can also use McDowell just to borrow money to flip more ETH. want to do it that way. So there's plenty of use cases for it. It was just an odd situation. Uh, with the large company up, people they got a little scared of having money out there for people to borrow. So they drained it, thereby pulled out so that all the money that I had been borrowing, I wanted to pay back because the interest rate out. Now it's pretty safe for me to borrow again. I just have to keep monitored, be careful about how much I take out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the Bendel was, I was so worried because I know for last time that there are people putting ease to try to save Bendel and that's what actually they did. So yeah, 
I haven't tried Bendel yet, but it's very interesting. Do you think that model will work? I think so. As long as people invest in NFTs, obviously nobody cares about NFTs somewhere at some point. Money out for them. But as long as there's ample trade, volume going up, people either want to make money by lending it or make money by borrowing. Doing what I do, short heat or will borrow it to flip for NFTs. So there's definitely as long as there's dual use cases, getting against each other like that will make for a good, healthy way of exchanging. Yeah, I think I think you're right here. Like very right, the way that when you look at it, we are just like trying to dance around ETH. So mm-hmm. all these tools like Bendao, NFTs, etc., are our way to dance around ETH. So if you start to have your heartbeat going with ETH, you understand where ETH is going. You're like, okay, at that point. I can just put as collateral or take a loan on my ape, go and have some ETH, short ETH, make more ETH, get back my ape, and I take the profit and buy something else. But for that, you need to be 100% focused on, on that move. So I am I'm also myself trying to do some stuff on, on, on board on Bendao and just to understand this because you need to put your hand on it. You only understand by doing it. I put collateral on one of my apes just to know how it goes. And Franklin was one of the guys who pushed him to do it in his way of hustling on Bendel. Got it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to try something, but in the future, maybe have other lending and borrowing protocols against the NFTs as well. I think Bendel is definitely the first one and like they're actually following the market. The market was when market was crazy, they launched and then they now have challenges and they experience different weather of the market, which is good if they get through this. I know Franklin is pretty doxxed in the space. Have you thought about your safeties and other part of being doxxed that make you worried or make you really enjoy? I think that's definitely a good point. I just have to be careful that at least, you know, creeps up a danger real world if there's danger out there, just, just stay safe and try to live my life as normal as possible and stuff. And it's not like I have people walking down the street and recognize that. So I think I have a pretty low profile in the public world. Everything is pretty much digital here on Twitter in terms of looking at your portfolio and what you're talking about on Twitter. So it's not really a dangerous situation for me outside, probably just making sure that not doing anything illegal or breaking laws out there, putting myself in trouble with individual people. So as long as that's fine, I just trust everybody's being kind to it, to another. And just like how it was before NFTs. Do you try to, to protect your surroundings as well? Like your friends, family, et cetera, because, and I do believe this is a really good thing because we don't see your friends, your family around you. Is it something that you decide or you've always been like that or you're like now more cautious? Or... I don't want to forcefully involve other people in my life who you don't know about. Twitter, my Twitter presence, or don't want to. So I'm out of sleep. Somebody wants to put themselves out there, they can, but I haven't, it's like I will ask them, they'll have to come ask me first. I wouldn't dox people like that just because I'm famous or something. So that is just more of a personal preference for anybody who wants to associate with that. Yeah, agreed. Because I think being dox is for us is like more freedom. Like we don't have to worry about a lot of time taking pictures with other people mm-hmm. as three of us are all doxed. But another pros are it's more trustworthy as like people more doxed. I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of people doing a really good job with undoxed as well. But it's just people are different. And then for me, I like to be dogs, I like to take pictures myself. Like that's totally depends on the person. But the cons is very obvious too, as we pretty much showing our wallet to everyone that with the face can actually connect it to who we are. But also, does your coworker know that you're like so big in the ape world? They may easy to see my LinkedIn, but the buyers would talk to me at work about it. So it's true with me as a person in the public work life, which is fine. I don't, I didn't do it to suck anybody else in. So, so nobody's asking you on what you're doing aside from your job. So you didn't quit. I knew that, but I don't know if the space knows you didn't quit your job. You no, know, in hindsight, the A price being at $400,000, that would have been a good time to quit and sell off a lot of apes. Now that's not the case, so we'll just continue to build from here. But you say that, excuse me, Frank, but you say that with a natural 
that you believe is normal, but I think 99% of people would have left their mind too far. So that leads me to think that you love your job. Is it the case? Yeah. And also I never thought of a good time to quit, leave people in the dust. Definitely. I don't think that's a good way of walking out, especially getting the job, helping me get to the position that I am to afford this type of stuff. I still want to be able to still have something to fall back on just in case something happens here. Very responsible. I have so much respect because we see so many people already quit during the bull market. People quit for different reasons. Like a lot of people quit for delicate to build their project. I really respect that too, especially during the bear market. Yeah, looking forward for Ape to be 400. I'll be really happy too. <laughs> 400 ETH. Well, it depends on how much ETH is, right? <laughs> oh no, $400,000. So that was like 150 ETH. Oh, oh, okay. But 400 ETH would be nice too at this price. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see apes 1 million, I'm 100% sure. You're recorded. Yeah, the floor, <laughs> no, but I've been tweeting about, so you can read it. Floor apes is going to be a million dollars and we're going to see it. I'm 100% sure. That's I'm down. Forward. I think by then Franklin probably will quit. Yeah, at that point. For now, it's Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. You actually mentioned earlier, you said you've changed your LinkedIn PFPs. <laughs> I was so tempted to change it, but how do you feel after you change? And what are your other connections feel regarding you changing any DMs? Oh, I get a lot. I just haven't had a lot of time to talk to anybody on LinkedIn like I used to. So I definitely a lot of praise, especially from the people within the Web3 space who also changed their profile pictures. So it's not as big of a deal as I thought it would be, especially when I did it. Now I'm so used to it that I don't even think about it anymore. And obviously when I did change it, it was a big deal. Like, wow, is this going to really work out? I did it thinking around July, August timeframe. So I was doing okay with NFT tapes, but I also wanted to do it early enough so that it was like a big shock to me. The people who- so you were flagged by LinkedIn when you changed your PFP, right? They just- That's like, right. Um, and I complained about it. And then a month or so later, I capitulated again and changed it back to my NFT. And so I haven't gotten- I noticed since then, but the LinkedIn team reached out to me at the time and that let me know that they're working on some sort of strategy to, to keep that from happening again. So I took my chance. They haven't banned me a second time. So I guess they're okay with it. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. You didn't know that now. I have I no that. idea. I remember that because I had my ape as my PFP. And now when I saw Franklin saying that he got banned, like they put that gray picture on his and he said, oh, they just banned me. And I was like, oh, they're going to do the same with us. So what are we left off from that? Because when we started like change going PFPs on LinkedIn, it was our way to democratize way more. So we were like sales for board apes in a way, because we were like showing off on Twitter. Then we started on Instagram and on LinkedIn, it was to say, we are builders as well who are using our PFP. And we're like, oh, they, they're going to just like uh, break our castle by doing so. Wow. Right. I can't believe right. they did it. You also lost your, your Twitter, right? What happened? Last time, oh, like, it, your Twitter yeah, there was, a big, there was a big ring of people. Zach XBT um, kind of found out who hacked a lot of tw big Twitter accounts. Thankfully, when mine got hacked, the people were pretty quick to notice that. Yeah, not a lot of people didn't really lose that much money. So that was pretty pretty good outcome. At least people were aware of that was going on. So it was just a sign to everybody to make sure to protect their accounts, use their two-factor authentication, an app or something outside of your cell phone app is probably the best way. That makes sense. You recently tweeted about your job with NASA before, and that was pretty cool. I have no idea what kind of engineer you are. So how does that experience make you feel like in the Web3 or you want to introduce that part of you to the Web3 world? I thought it was cool to bring, you know, to bring Web3 into it. things that I worked with in my previous life. And the rocket launch was coming up. It got delayed, unfortunately, but I thought I was just doing some reflecting on what I contributed to that, the rocket project. And just wanted to share with everybody and just maybe open up a little bit of myself and people who might be new to probably get my work. It was a major hit on, 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 on Twitter. I knew that because I endured. And because you told me, I remember. And, uh, but do you think that you telling people about your previous life would give you even more credibility to them? Do you think it's, it's going this way? 
I hope so. At least people can have full understanding of who I am personally, if they really wanted to. And I, that's stuff that I always shared on my other social media accounts, like Facebook and LinkedIn, but was always hesitant to on Twitter, but I thought it was just good timing for me to show that, Hey, this is a little bit more of who I am and work. So you know, otherwise people might have a certain opinion and don't want that. I like to just be more honest as possible. People really want to know, like, anything about them. Yeah. What kind of engineer are you? Mechanical engineer? Yeah, the structure analysis engineer, but it's basically the same. So I like looking at different parts of satellites and doing structural analysis of it based on design. Maybe I recommend design changes to the team. You just simple things like that. But I do with math models and computer to simulate what could possibly do it. Good. Outer space I, I, launch. I, I love to try to simple things like that. To me, I try to make it as possible, no, but, but obviously it could be difficult to other people. Trying to come up. How crazy it is. The guy like doing analysis on design with NASA and he's doing kind of simple things like that. <laughs> it's so impressive. It's like you're solving the hardest problem of human history. And then it's like the simplest thing like that. <laughs> Love it. Darren, what if we ask Franklin about a subject that I would like to ask him about? All these racial issues, etc. And you and I, we pretty much know where it comes from. But if, and I would like to ask you a question and also use that so that people understand where it comes from. Do you remember the stories with Funks? I know you were a major actor with Funks. Uh, I minted Funks as well. I liked the, the idea of decentralization for real. I liked the idea of giving the power to people to build what they want on OpenSea, etc. But it turned, it switched very fast. Like you were always very transparent on what you were doing, like shipping. But then all, the whole subject changed. Like they were like going very strongly on apes and talking about racism. And they also forgot that apes were the one who saved the mint of funks, if you remember. So can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah. Yeah. My journey to funks is very successful in terms of timing the market and holding it to a good point till it got up, but then I didn't expect you to lapse to buy larva maps out in early 2022. And so it happened. So it was more of a Hika versus larva type mindset that it had. And obviously I must take the Luke side and buy the funks and keep my feet in both pockets where I could have funks over here, like the Pound Life Labs and also support the community of Yuga. And the, we'll see licensing issues, the issues that CryptoPunks Mark Labs had in terms of uncertainty with all these other entity projects, getting regs to holders and doing very well. It was definitely a play to make, to see how the community would react to those issues and the end result was Yuga Labs ended up back out and giving these rights to crypto punts holders. Yeah, in the midst of all that, there was a lot of racism charged against Yuga from Ryder and Polly, pretty much got their voices from the crypto punts community, which nobody knows was actually created by Zach Vine from the Zipsha team. So it wasn't an accident that happened that Vine walked away from the funds project. The community pretty much took it over, but certain people became their faces of the project. It's easier to lead within the community, but it's a big common goal, a big common target to hit. And that target Keith Yuga and the accusations of racism, which I strongly do not agree with, you know, what they're saying about Yuga. If there's any sort of racism, it's probably misconstrued. I don't think these artists founders are racist people and decide to make racist NFTs. If anything, if we are guilty of this, we could be a little bit culturally insensitive to a certain groups of people unknowingly, but I don't think it, it rides to a level of hating people who look like me. And yeah, that's where I differ between a lot of the fun owners who don't like apes or me owning apes. And I pretty much, one, due to my huge investment, and two, based on my research interactions with the project, I'm fully on your side what they're doing. Yeah. And I think it's misusing the information and what we are building here. Like I used to say that, and Vera agrees with me, we are Yuga. Yeah. So Vera, you're, you're Chinese, right? Yeah. You're Chinese. I'm Moroccan, Arab. You are black from United States. And I can tell you like many other apes who are as different as the other one. So. Just pointing at a drawing and saying it's racist when it's using 
drawings that we all know about, we've seen on Dragon Ball Z or seen on movies or shows or whatever, they wouldn't point on saying that these shows are racist or whatever. I think it's just a move to get some light over, over the light of someone who has a bigger light. And at that point, people know how much I love funks. And I think you liked as well the funks and the mm -hmm. main idea. The community is amazing. But when it started going this way, I was like, oh, pitifully, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna keep my bag and just shut up about this because it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. You don't want to, I mean, it sucks that the actions of a few people determine a lot of people's opinion towards a certain project, but it is what it is. I'm down to two funks, I know for 300 at one time. So I sold a lot of them off and yeah, it was blew up from there. I listened and look at all the criticism, but I just doesn't come at the time, at this time, or I don't think it would ever. And even if I was just a solely a fuck purist and didn't have any apes, it wouldn't be a argument or something that I'd probably participate in. I can't never to say never, honestly, financial decisions, bag holders affect opinions, of course, but it never, this never was really a racial type issue. If anything, there's other racial issues, NFTs that I'll be more concerned about as opposed to controlling what type of artwork people should buy and own. Exactly. I totally agree with you. And that's why kind of the RBYC thing at ApeFest will inspire me to do this podcast as well. People see us from outside as a group and then they attack our culture as ULS has been growing so big. And we are, as individual, I wanted to introduce those amazing friends that I know to the world. Look at who we are before you make a conclusion of how our culture is. And mm -hmm actually get to know people before saying some documentary out of nowhere with very objective opinions. So it's nonsense to me, but yeah, that's why we're here. And that's why the podcast has been 100 How Ones is only interviewing the ape owners and to get to know who they are. I think that's, that's very important to show the world what our culture is. I, yeah. I think what we've seen so far is a lot of gems because to be really honest, and I've been on space for a year and a half. I spent something like 14 to 15 hours on Twitter, Discord, etc. like you, Franklin, and Mike, all of us to understand, to get to know each other, to see what's going on. And I've never seen any board apes not being friendly or helpful to anyone else. They were always helpful and all the NFT holders, actually, those who came with the right mindset were always helpful, kind. And, and I do believe that pointing at people would be just jealousy, saying, okay, yeah, uh, these days they're cocky or whatever. And I think Franklin, by saying Wednesday is slideshow Wednesday, it's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way of saying, okay, guys, let's smoothen that up. Okay. And, and uh, you want to have fun of it? Okay. Every Wednesday, I'm going to show up my apes. You're going to have fun of it. And you're going to say, I'm cocky. But at the end of the day, if you look at the quantity of tweets, if you look at the quality of information you get by following Franklin, you're like, okay, he might have a lot of apes and being, maybe you can think it's, he's cocky, but he's just like making fun out of him and you, but the quality of information you get out of him is tremendous. So yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to be a well-rounded person and trade all target audiences, but have been they hopefully to be a net positive to the space. We also have a Wednesday thing. It's called Pink Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pink people, the pink apes are posting pink stuff on the Wednesdays. But yeah, it's amazing. We're actually the ones that are creating culture. We're part of the culture. We're also creating new culture for this ecosystem. Franklin, you have been growing a lot since the very beginning. Do you have an agent or PR person? I have a, yeah, a licensing agent and have two of those and a lawyer for now. So. They help me get this particular deal and still made things easier for me to just pass inquiries on to them. And I don't have to think for any sort of big decisions like what have helped. So basically, would you have someone taking over your Twitter at some point? I don't think so. I'll probably keep that to not for me, but in terms of just any sort of like big monetary decisions or deals with companies, I'll outsource those. But Twitter is just me being me. I like, I had it the whole time. So. It's just me, not a dowry, anything like that. So I like controlling it. Again, yeah, so people can rely on you being the one tweeting a year right. from now when everything skyrocks. Um, do you have a goal or a vision 
or something? Do you see what, where would you like these things to go? Let's say a few years from now, how do you see this? Like this relationship you built with people, this love that you get. I do believe you get a lot of love from people, a lot of shed as well, but that doesn't matter. But where do you see this going? Where would you like it to? I like how it is now. A lot of people recognize me, know me digitally. I'm totally fine with that. Who knows? Maybe I'll become more public figure in terms of outside of Twitter, but I'm very comfortable being on Twitter and engaging with the community there. So I, I really like that. Like long-term, I really don't know. It. However famous NFTs become or well-known NFTs become, that's my trajectory as well. I think you will be right there along with it and I'll be a top figure to three pelicans. And one day I told people, I'm buying stuff so that I can flip them to buy more Yuga. And you have no idea how the space came to me. They were really bad. But they didn't understand what I was saying. What I was trying mm -hmm. to say was that Yuga proved to all of us that they were building something sustainable. And they mm -hmm. were building something where they onboard the other project. So why should I be supporting the collection that is going to onboard other collections. If you remember like the first video of other slides, you had world of women, cool cats, cryptos on the video. They didn't have to, they just decided, okay, these guys are cool. We got to onboard them on our video to give them more exposure. So the idea is that if you support Yuga Labs in a way, you are also supporting the growth of the space. And uh, maybe we didn't know that coming in, but it's really hard to separate. The growth of NFTs from growth of Yuga. I'm not trying to get by financial advice. I just really think that's just how it is now. I don't see the change in the future, but those people do work so hard and they don't want to lose that spot as well. They're going to work just as hard as the players are. Exactly. I made so much friend in the space. I met Nizar. It's like literally another me from a different mother. And I met you, Franklin, that you're truly amazing. <laughs> without crypto, without NFTs, I want to be friend with you. Have you made any friends? In real life, yeah, of course. Just meeting people in person, really close to Nazar, hang out a lot in New York. Yeah, just other people I run into from Twitter and real life. There's a couple people that are local to where I live. We've gone out to like double dates and stuff. So it's really been cool to network with some best of red space three NFTs through Twitter. This is amazing. Man, I really like the fact that you're pointing at this and this is a great question, Vera. Because people who listen, and I do hope that this podcast is going to last and it's going to have a historical point of view on this. We made friends and I do believe neither Franklin nor you, Vera, sold your aid because you just liked hanging around those people who were kind, cool, and you would wake up and, oh, what did I miss? Oh, I like this meme. That sense of, of friendship made Yuga being Yuga because they were here and even the founders talking with us, asking us questions. And the fact that we transformed that from being something on Discord and Twitter to something in real life because of the events in NFT and YC, et cetera, is absolutely fantastic. I'm from Morocco, Maritage, it's like North Africa. And I've never been in the US before NFT and YC 2021. And that's where I met you, Franklin. That's where I met you, Vera. And I do believe in the next 10 years, we'll keep on catching each other and trying to understand what we can build for other people. And that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm always amazed how many friends I made in the space. <laughs> and it's probably the most friend I can make in the year, like ever in my life. It's crazy. <laughs> I made hundreds of friends. Your mental health, Franklin, how do you... Protect yourself. I know you are a protector of yourself. I've been seeing you with people, but you still protect yourself, which is something very important. That's a great question. I, I struggle with answering that just on my own and making sure that I'm completely okay. I, it's hard. It's I even thinking about it now. It's hard to answer how I was able to handle everything from a year and a half ago to today. And I, I'll say very quickly, just thinking reflecting all that journey. Being myself has really helped just being the same person, not changing who I am or in terms of my outside life and not acting like I'm better than somebody else or deserve something more than somebody else did. Just being the same 
just being the type of person I had always tried to be before NFTs, knowing that I had a life before and I was doing okay in that life and I would like to, for them for it to continue and hope and just try to look at NFTs and my success as like a parallel story to my just regular day-to-day -day life. And I think being able to switch back and forth, like for example, once my wife gets off of work, I try to stay away from NFTs and doing spaces or interviews like this all, all night stuff that, that helps. So having other people in my life too, family at home, of course, is a really big, helpful indicator for me to dial back in terms of how much focus I have here in NFT. Really, really appreciate you, Franklin. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you, Franklin, for sharing your amazing stories. We get to know you a little bit. I'm willing to share this part of you to all the audience. And this is the real Franklin. It has been real since day one. And thank you so much, Nizar, as my brother always here for me and super supportive and very deep in thoughts and smart. So both of you and really appreciate your time and thanks for coming and let's cheers for the future. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers. Love you guys. Stay great care with you, brother, and keep on being you. It's important for all of us. I told that to Mira. I said, that guy is like a flag. Because when you doubt, you can just go back and look that you didn't move and you're still the same guy. And that, that empowers us. So don't, don't ever forget that we need you, really. We need you as human beings. I don't talk about NFTs and we need you because we created our own world around these NFT things, about these beliefs that we can build things and we build big ourselves mentors for our own lives and, and we need people like you who are flagship. So bro, I, I wanted to tell you that I love you and thank you so much for being that that guy. And Vera, Vera, you're my sister. You know uh, all the, all the things that I believe from you. So I love Aww. you. So. Yeah, I love you. I love you both. Let's go.